Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, everyone. My name is Neha, and I am the host of a brand new series called Career Catharsis, where I will be interviewing experts in the field of wellness to chat about how organizations as well as individuals can lead healthier habits at work. Today I'll be chatting with my friend Dr. Jonas Aford, who is a chiropractor and the founder of a wellness clinic called Recharge Wellness that operates out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Jonas Aford. So before we get into some of the questions that I had for you around wellness at work and what people can keep in mind, especially given the certain times, you know, with working from home and all kinds of situations with not having your proper workstation. Before we dive into all of that, wanted to get a sense of your background. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do as a profession? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm a chiropractor by trade. I started uh, working as a chiropractor in 2012. I had um, started off in, in a typical clinical setting and I loved the work. I loved being able to help people in a hands-on way and really diagnose problems and support them. And uh, I, it wasn't very long before I started to yearn to do more for people, for my patients, for my community, um, beyond the clinical work that I was doing. And so that led me to get curious about how to work with groups of people and build healthy communities. And I eventually decided that my way to contribute to people's lives that way would be through corporate wellness, because I realized our society, our communities are basically organized by companies, by our employers. So we spend most time, most of our waking moments in a day collaborating and, and around our the people we work with and the relationships we have are strongest in that way. And so to influence people's lives, we can influence the way that they spend their time at work and how healthy that can be. So I started le learning about corporate wellness and trying to be a consultant for companies. And I did lots of courses and trainings. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was difficult to get off the ground. But once I started getting into it, I realized how complicated it was and difficult and this this big challenges to influencing groups of people in a sustainable or meaningful way and eventually uh, I had, had a lot of fun learning how to do that but I eventually uh, morphed the business into a service-based business which provides um, basically what my, my company is now Recharged Wellness is, is we're doing on-site clinical services and running wellness programs through the clinical services that we're providing. And so working with all the staff, devising what the challenges are and what the solutions can be, and then working with leadership to consult and build strategies around that. So that's mm -hmm. sort of the answering a few of your questions, I, I suppose, and a few of my own. Yeah. Started as a chiropractor, got into corporate wellness, and ultimately I'm always just trying to figure out how to make an impact on people's lives, how to make the person or people in front of me that I have access to, that I'm connected with, how to improve their lives and uplift their lives in whatever ways that I can. 
Well, that's a really powerful mission. And I'm glad that you touched on your business to kind of give listeners a better understanding of Recharge Wellness and how you started that from the ground up. I know you mentioned that there were some challenges as well. And notably, given we are kind of having this conversation um, during a time where a lot of people are still on lockdown and things are slowly going to be opening up. But I assume another challenge for you as a wellness practitioner um, who's main business focus is being on site. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, challenges before the lockdown, challenges currently, and kind of how you're facing that and what kind of support maybe your community has been giving you based on the relationships that you have? Do you want to know about challenges on our end of things or on the the clients that we serve? So for you personally, as a business owner who has to kind of, you know, um, practice on site, and you know whether there's challenges leading up to the lockdown as well as currently if there's anything that you could kind of share there yeah there there weren't uh, as many challenges as the typical wellness business or clinical business because we have 30 something uh, on-site clinics we build these spaces inside the company offices that we work with and so mm-hmm. it's the decision was entirely out of our control when the offices closed down we we obviously close down with them. So um, we don't have physical spaces around the city brick and mortar clinics. We don't have to worry about the rent issues and those types of challenges that a lot of my peers and friends are are having to to manage. Um, And all of my contractors that I'm working with, there's 18 of them, they're all independent contractors. They're working. um, So they have strong relationships with their clients and they're maintaining that connection. Some of the practitioners really uh, had a hard time figuring out the details of connection or even just feeling okay with moving their sessions virtually, especially the physiotherapists and massage therapists. Um, So I just helped them by opening up a channel, a virtual platform for them to Mm -hmm. use and allowed them to connect with whoever they want to and just made them available to their patients. And what's ended up happening is it's nice. A lot of people are not needing you know virtual sessions with with physiotherapists for instance or chiropractors and that's fine that's to be expected Um, but in some cases a lot of patients are reaching out for advice help me with this oh my knee hurts i'm trying to run and you know this and so we're allowing that to happen or encouraging that to happen and it's been a really nice thing so for the people who need help or want help we are giving it to them pro bono. Wow. And that's really the only, the only challenge that we faced is, is figuring out how to stay connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because now we're seeing a really big rise in telemedicine. So even with my family doctor, there's been things that I've had to discuss and now I'm having phone conversations with them. So it's really interesting to see how much of an impact you can have virtually. To touch on the types of clients that you currently work with, so you mentioned offices. So is there a particular industry or can you tell me a little bit more? You know, Is it always going to be an organization that you work with or do you work one-on-one? The companies we work with are the, the one criteria that, that uh, is true for all the companies we work with is, is quite simple, a little bit of a soft criteria, but it's that the leadership cares genuinely and thoroughly about the, the quality of lives of their employees. When they're willing to invest energy into making sure their people have great experiences working with them and just in their lives in general, that's sort of where we find them, where they find us and we connect with them. So we work mostly with companies with progressive leadership is is what i'm trying to say um companies that have dedicated wellness managers 
people and culture teams that are active and really always working to bring programs of support in people, you know, companies like that. And it's not exclusively, but the vast majority of our corporate clients are tech companies and software companies. I, I think that just sort of happens at this day and age to be that the progressive leadership is generally in that industry. So I think 85% of our corporate clients are, are fintech and, and software mm -hmm. and, um, and other tech companies. I can relate to that working in the tech space. So not only at Hired, but other clients that we have of really forward thinking cultures. And it's good to see that they think about their employees as full humans, full individuals with varying needs. It's not just about the paycheck. There's really, you know, a full person with emotions and, you know, physical wellness and lots of things going on there that they're bringing into work. So it's really encouraging to hear that you're doing this work and that there's companies out there with progressive leadership that you mentioned that are supportive of this and they're championing this. What would you say is a number one complaint that your clients face, whether it's at an organizational level or if it is in terms of those one-on-one -on -one sessions with your employees, with their employees? That's a great question. Um, I'll split that up. Yeah. In, 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 the clients first in the organizational side of things, the companies generally, they, they at least the ones we're, we're working with, we have that bias, of course, but they do genuinely care about the quality of lives of their people and their people as a whole and their lives at home and their mental well-being, the physical well-being. Um, the challenge for them is simply finding the right tools to provide. It's not a simple task. It's actually very, it's a very big job and it's usually on the shoulders of a HR person or team to be finding all the different resources and support things and the providers that are going to help their staff because there's such a diverse set of needs among any group of people. So they're constantly looking for the best things, watching their budget, trying to find, you know, trustworthy providers, good softwares to use, all that kind of stuff. So I find that that's really the challenge. It's just a practical one of, okay, we care. How do we show it? What right. do we provide? It's so more what, so the logistics of it. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's genuinely concerned. There's, there's also something that's a prevailing challenge, which is is mental health. It's everybody, especially in the very competitive, very hardworking, uh, the culture that is very sort of overworking um, in in the tech space. There's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of you know mental health challenges of all the different varieties: anxiety, depression, difficult, and. Um, and it's hard to support people in that way because it's a very complex and sensitive topic and it's hard to know what's the best way to support people. So, you know, the very least companies are starting to provide, you know, on, on virtual uh, availability of mental health practitioners. But a lot of companies are learning that they need to do a lot more than that to be effective, to really make a difference and make sure their employees don't burn out and don't leave their jobs and leave the, the company. That's something that we're always trying to work into what we do. So the first thing I mentioned, which was just the logistics, companies trying to figure out how to support their people. My company's service is sort of trying to be an answer to that, trying to be the tool that comes in without any complications and just takes care of a big chunk of that, which is we take care of all the physical therapies that are going to help your people. And now what we're trying to do is sort of broaden the scope of the treatments that we're doing to, a, to better serve the mental health support that people need. 
And that's a tricky one. We brought psychotherapists into the mix and that's been interesting. Yeah. Relatively low engagement compared to our other disciplines in the company's fold, but um, it's been a big help for the people that do engage with it. Um, but we're also bringing into the mix sort of uh, the conversations, just having those conversations, which is sort of my uh, advice to companies that want to figure out what to uh, do, what service, what um, support to bring to their staff is I think sometimes people skip over having the really good, hard conversations about that, asking good, meaningful questions. Uh, there's so much that can come out of that. And if we skip over it, make assumptions as to what people need, we often uh, miss the target. Well, that's very eloquently put. Uh, so definitely having conversations and meaningful questions, I think that's a really good start. And that's something I think is also doable. It's, it's a practical step that a lot of companies can actually cascade to their managers and encourage them to open up conversations and have those meaningful conversations. I would say that maybe there's that hesitation that, you know, we don't know what to do with what comes out of those conversations. And that goes back to the challenge of the logistics, where I think you provide a really powerful solution where you have these experts in the health and wellness space that kind of take care of these issues and they know how to address them. It is sort of, you know, building the culture, but also providing that solution and engaging with external partners such as yourself. And then as we're moving into a more remote work world, can you talk about any online support that you're currently providing or that you would recommend for companies that are seeking to improve um, wellness at work? Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good virtual online um, support available. I think pretty much every service that, whether it was virtual before or not, has now become virtual, which is really interesting. So we, you can actually rely on on your existing support networks to now be pivoting to be offered virtually. We've most of us have experienced that at this point, whether it's for family doctors or, or otherwise. We're providing all our existing services to all our existing recharge patients uh, virtually. So our physiotherapy, our chiropractic, our psychotherapy, the nutritionists, the naturopathy, they're, they're all offering their sessions virtually through the sort of HIPAA compliant encrypted uh, software that's for healthcare. But um, we're seeing really just the psychotherapy as a growing one. There's there's a little bit of use of the, the manual therapists, the chiropractors and the like for helping people through issues, but we're seeing a lot of psychotherapy go up. There's also companies that are doing this. There's a lot of startups like Dialogue and Maple and things bringing online healthcare to Canadians, particularly in Ontario, because it's sort of done differently in each province that are getting really heavily used these days. So those are good for companies just to share with their staff just to so their staff all know that these services are available to them awesome thank you so much for sharing and yes i have heard of maple as well as dialogue so those are really good ones for any canadians especially those in ontario i also wanted to kind of dive into your career so talking about a specific highlight if there's you know a moment where maybe you were really proud whether it was an accomplishment on the job or something kind of positive in your career that you'd like to share? That's a tough one. <laughs> Reflecting on that, I think it's not a particular moment or a singular accomplishment. I think the one highlight 
something I was trying to achieve for a long time. And I feel like in the not too distant past, I, I achieved this for a long time. Several years ago, when I started my company, it was just me. It was just me going to offices and treating people. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was, it was great. I'd bike around and then go and open up my table, treat people. And it was lovely. But what I really wanted to do in the long term was to create a system where other people could do what I'm doing just as effectively as I was. Because the thing was, the reason this company exists is because I decided and learned a long time ago that it's significantly better than just sitting and twiddling my thumbs waiting for people to come visit me in a, in a clinic. Going to offices, showing up, lowers the threshold of access so that people who wouldn't otherwise help themselves can then help themselves. When you make it so convenient that you're in their office and it's free, we run it through their benefits. It's free and it's in their office. They walk 10 steps and they're mm-hmm. able to get their treatment. All of a sudden, peop- so many people who wouldn't otherwise use it get it. So, so there's a lot of benefit to working with groups of people that are then able to improve their lives and we can support them in improving their lives that wouldn't otherwise. So that's why this type of, of work came about. And it took me like two and a half, three years to figure out how I could build a system that I could have other people doing the same thing in other companies. Because it was a lot of trial and error. I had you know, improvised the whole process. And so I had to figure out how to make it consistently good, consistently meaningful, how to ensure that when a practitioner that's working for me and a, and a patient that they're seeing, ensure that they have a meaningful connection. What questions do I have them ask? What context do we have them in? How do we, what equipment do they need to give the best possible treatments? And then how to get them into the workplaces, how to support them in being happy and enjoying all those things. So mm-hmm. it took a long time and it was, it was very difficult to, to make a replicable, replicable system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, well, now we're 18 people and growing and it's been, it's been quite a journey to get to this point, but now it's consistent. Each one of the practitioners that we work with is just delighted with the, their work and their connections with the people that they work with. And it's becoming very consistent that the people's the, the patients are getting fantastic treatment across the board and the practitioners are having a great time doing it. So for me, that's the biggest highlight of my life is that I was able to share this thing that I created for myself selfishly to improve my life, to make my life better, more meaningful and easier. And I can share it with practitioners and those practitioners are helping a whole slew of other people. So I think that's a long answer to your question. No, but that's incredible. I think, you know, where a lot of, you know, business owners might struggle, especially in those early years, is when they're trying to scale their business, when when things start to really pick up and they're doing well, but now you realize you're a one-man show and, and you need to be able to have that, you know, repeatable, consistent level of quality service, especially with something, you know, um, as I would say, delicate as the wellness space where, you know, every patient has their own individual needs. And maybe, maybe you have that gift where you're able to kind of, you know, understand each person on a certain level um, to try to find, you know, practitioners that are maybe on the same wavelength or have the same style, but then creating that system, as you mentioned with, you know, the questions, the context. So that's really really helpful, especially for anyone maybe that is looking to kind of start, you know, in the wellness space, as I think, you know, you had mentioned psychotherapy, for example, is going to be something that's already on the rise, but going to continue to be needed. So if there are listeners who are maybe even thinking of a pivot into the wellness space, that might be a really interesting 
angle and, and good context for them to think about. And then I also wanted to ask you about if there's any one small change that each of us as individuals that are working our nine to fives on our, you know, makeshift workstations, if there's one change that we could make um, to practice better wellness at our workstations, is there, you know, anything top of mind or, you know, if you want to give us even three, I think maybe we could even kind of go through your top three. Absolutely. Yeah. A okay. long list of, of great things you can do. So I'll start with the, the first ones that come to mind. Well, one of them is it's just perfectly relevant to what we've been talking about. And that's something very few of us do well, which is lean into your support networks. Mm -hmm. okay. You, listener, audience, person, you have a great support network, whether you choose to acknowledge that or not. There's a lot of people who care about you. And there's a lot of people who are available to support you. You just need to ask. So not being shy or not just not hesitating to really lean in. So in, you know, COVID aside, when we're all in our offices, it's, it's the example applied here would be use your benefits, use the therapies that are available to you. You generally, if you're an average person with an average job with an average insurance plan, you could be getting massages and chiropractic and acupuncture and, and uh, physiotherapy and naturopathy and you get about 10 visits with each person per year and that works out to over a visit per week with a different healthcare practitioner that's, that's doing wellness work not like a visit when you break something or you're sick but but improving your vitality and your well-being so invest in yourself spend the time to connect with the practitioners visit your dentist and your massage therapist and your chiropractor and your physio even if you don't feel broken that's the best time to, to invest because you're going to get the most value out of it. So, and that's not just therapies on site in the office, but I mean, your broader support networks, the EAPs you have available, the social networks that you have available, your HR manager wants to help you ask them for help. Even if you have a vague sense of what you need, that's the starting point of that conversation and you'll end up finding great things. So lean into your support networks is my, my number one tip. The second one is, I would say something, it's based on something I've come to learn a lot of people do poorly, myself included. What we do very naturally, and this is why so many of us do this wrong, it's very natural to, to fall into this behavior. We work for longer chunks than our cognitive capacity allows or is optimally used. So what I mean by this is basically, we work for like hour and a half, two hour, three hour long chunks of time because we get into something that we're doing, like work, right? We get in so many emails, oh great, phone calls, meetings, and back to back to back to back to back. What happens is we exhaust our cognitive capacity, the stores of our ability to focus mm -hmm. intently, and then we need to recover. And we come right back to our work without having fully recovered. So whatever version of that challenge you have, because we all, do that imperfectly. Just think about how you might be able to interrupt your work, have shorter work sessions, and spend small doses of time with more thoughtfulness about how you're recovering your cognitive and physiological state. So I, that, that's maybe too many words to explain a rather simple <laughs> idea. Look up something called the Pomodoro method if you're not already familiar with it. It's a way to time work sessions and if it works for you and the type of work that you do, then apply it because what you're doing is you're forcing yourself to stop before you exhaust yourself. Mm -hmm. So after 40 minutes or so, you take a short break, 
doing something active or social or non-work, not scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, and you'll end up coming back to your work a few minutes later, fully invigorated and with a full capacity for focus once again. And so what happens is you're allowed, you sustain yourself throughout the day with your full vitality. You're replenishing your ability physically and mentally to come back to your work with full focus. And so it's a small thing, but if you apply discipline with this small effort, what ends up happening is five, six o'clock comes around and you're not exhausted. You're not depleted and you feel great, just like you would on a Saturday when you've had a diversity of activities that doesn't exhaust you. So you can very simply change the pace of your work to reap the great rewards um, energetically. That's really good, really good advice. So you, you mentioned support network, leaning into that, whether it's using your benefits, friends, family, but at work specifically, you know, reaching out to your coworkers, but also the HR department, because there's resources or things that maybe they would maybe prioritize if they know that people are feeling a certain way. Um, but then you also mentioned the Pomodoro technique. So that's breaking up your activity and maybe just disrupting your patterns and, and pacing yourself with a little, I guess, uh, distraction. So would you say something like getting up to drink a glass of water or stretching or are those kind of the ideas that you had there? Bingo. The, yeah. the way I like to teach this and, and share this with people is when you're taking those breaks, because you'll say you'll make your own version of it. I do 40 minute work sessions with 10 minute breaks. 10 minutes is adequate enough for me, but basically during the breaks, you can do one of three things. You can be social because, you know, call your mom. Uh, you can nourish yourself, drink some water, get some snacks, eat something, or you can be active. And it's an, you can either be active or you can rest. I put those in the same category. That's why I consider it only three things. But what I mean is just be deliberate. So either run up a set of stairs, do some push-ups, do some burpee, do something, get on your little bicycle and go for four minutes. Just the tiniest bit of intense activity like that can be a huge dose of endorphins and adrenaline that really serves you well, physically and mentally. So activity is good, but also if you're not feeling like you want to run up some stairs, that's fine, but don't be passive about it. Don't just grab, you know, look at your phone and start scrolling, oh, 10 minutes is up and you don't feel any better. Actively rest. That's a weird combination of words, I know. But what I mean is you deliberately rest, you close your eyes, you block out the sounds if you can, put the headphones on, don't talk to anybody, rest if that's what you need. So mm -hmm. just be deliberate, nourish your body, move, be social, or be active or rest. So if you just follow those, those guidelines and spend your, your break time doing those, one of those things, it will be replenishing and you'll come back with sort of the, the capacity that you started with. That's really, really good advice. And I think we all can be a bit more mindful about this, be more aware about it. So I've been trying to drink more water. So I know that this has been an issue for me, even at the office, not just at home. I do think that, you know, sometimes I'm just feeling a bit of brain fog or, you know, I find like I feel dehydrated. Um, but I think we kind of have learned to ignore when we're feeling thirsty because we're so deep into our work. So you have to make that conscious effort. One thing that I will say has been kind of a fun break for me now that I'm at home is so I'll, I'll kind of put up on a YouTube video for like a like a short workout. So, so there's these five minute dance workouts 
And honestly, I feel like like I'm I'm smiling by the end of it. Maybe I'm you know sweating a little bit by the end of it. But the cool thing about being at home is it doesn't matter if you're sweating for the rest of the day. Um, you can always hop in the shower later. So I think it's it's cool how you can be really creative about your breaks if you're working at home. So there's that cool benefit. So those are all the questions that I had. I wanted to kind of leave it to you. If there's any closing statements or any last thoughts, any kind of final words of advice. I didn't have anything particular to say, but I just encourage you to everybody on all sides of things, whether you're in HR, you're a leader of a company, you're employee of a company or you're unemployed be bold and courageous when it comes to your well-being if anyone prevents you from investing the efforts you need to invest in keeping yourself optimally well whatever that requires then push back don't be shy don't let that happen if you feel stigma in any way forced to sit in your little cubicle all day if that's the problem for some people or not encouraged to or you feel like you need the mental health support but you're not getting any support whatever it is be bold and be courageous because it's more important it's the most important that is super powerful um i think that's a really good final note so thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and for all of the work that you do at Recharge Wellness. And I'm sure um, everyone will hopefully take some insight and practice it, be mindful and kind of take some of those tips that you mentioned around, you know, taking time to nourish, um, actively rest, or indeed be active with some sort of physical activity amongst the other advice. So thanks again. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Career Catharsis. You can find out more about Dr. Jonas Aford and his corporate wellness stations, Recharge Wellness, in the description. I look forward to sharing more insights with you soon. Be sure to subscribe to follow along. I'm always open to connecting and hearing your thoughts on LinkedIn as well as on Instagram. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.